Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. I know this will maybe be a surprise to you. Some of you won't be surprised, but some of you may be surprised. But I don't work out. I don't know if that helps any of you or you're disappointed or it's obvious. It's probably more obvious than not. I I really don't work out a lot, if at all, ever, never. Okay, I do push-ups and sit-ups and every now and then and run. If Matt inspires me that week, if I hear of his tales of running enough, I might get inspired to to run. He's running in the Boston Marathon. Isn't that amazing? And, uh, but I, I did it in spite of my lack of effort at the gym. I, I actually did grow up around weights and weightlifting. We had weights in our home. Um, my dad was a former competitive weightlifter. And he even competed in the Olympics in 1977. And so growing up, he would, he would let us know and teach us about weightlifting and those kind of things. Went to the gym where he had spent many hours and much time uh, weightlifting and perfecting his ability uh, to lift weights. And uh, at an early age, he taught us a little bit uh, about the proper techniques to, to do squats and the proper techniques to do the clean and jerk. That was one of the weights that he competed in was the clean and jerk. And, and, uh, but it, it never really materialized into me um, weightlifting at all. But 100 years or so ago, the need for workout facilities was not as prominent. As physical exercise was built into the everyday life of travel and work, farming and industry and travel made for outlets for physical conditioning. And with the advances in technology, advances in jobs and traveling, it has required less and less physical effort. And the need to stay in shape has become a growing trend. I admire people like Greg Meadows and Joe Pasley and different ones who work out. Because they put a lot of effort into it, a lot of time and to make sure they're healthy and strong. And we have some in here who work at uh, workout facilities, and it has become just a part of our conditioning as a culture that we work out to remain strong. We're involved, we buy memberships, and I won't have you raise your hand of how many have a membership to a gym, because the follow-up question is how many actually go to the gym you have a membership to. Being strong is is kind of a big deal. Our society values the strong. 
Our society values the strong. Slogans in our society have highlighted the value of strength with sayings like our military uses a saying to highlight this value by saying, Army Strong. Ben Zimmer, a columnist for the Wall Street Journal, wrote an article called An Army of Strong Slogans. And he was talking about the use of the word strong in our culture. Specifically, he was writing about the bombing at the Boston Marathon in 2013. And he said the trend has been toward using the word strong to highlight the resilience of communities affected by natural disasters in New Jersey, Vermont, or by acts of violence, Aurora, Newtown. Boston strong, as well as other localized uses of that word and sayings, is a continuation of this trend, he said, of sloganeering but one that nonetheless has given Bostonians something to cheer about in a time of sorrow. We use that word strong, and you've heard it in a lot of scenarios in very tragic situations, difficult situations, and somehow we're able to find strength in that word, strong. We value that sense of finding strength in difficult times. We live our lives in strong ways, even when we face incredible adversity and struggle. We cling to this idea that I would be strong. We've used that in our response to the passing of our bishop, Bishop Norman Pasley II, and we use that phrase, Pasley Strong, as a family moniker to stay strong in the face of difficult adversity. And today, I would like to just simply speak very, uh, very simply on a subject and encourage us with this thought, be strong. We are encouraged in the Bible to be strong. When Joshua took over the leadership of the children of Israel, God instructed him Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. God's telling Joshua, I'm going to take you into a promised land and you're going to inherit a great place, but you have to be strong in order to inherit what I have for you. And then he says in the next verse, only be strong. And very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Then he said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written. For then you will have your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And as if he hadn't said it enough. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I want to 
just keep reiterating this fact to somebody today. You, you need to be strong. You might be in a difficult season of your life, but God is calling you to be strong. Be strong. It would be the king of Israel, David, who commissions his son Solomon to build this great temple. And he says these words, consider now. For the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. But he says, Solomon, be strong and do it. And David said to his son, and and 10 verses later, his son Solomon, be strong and be of good courage and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed for the Lord, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. I, I imagine that David reflected on Solomon or on Joshua's commandment from God. And he says, you know what? If it was good enough for Solomon to inherit the promised land, it's good enough for you. Uh, it's a good enough commandment for you to build a temple. So Solomon, be strong, be of good courage, and do what God has asked you to do. Do not be afraid, and I tell somebody today, don't be afraid of what it seems like the enemy's getting away with. Don't be afraid of what it seems like is an opposition or an adversary to what you're walking through. But I tell us today as a church uh, that we are to be strong, and we are to be courageous, and not fear what the enemy can bring in our way. (laughs) Hallelujah. It would be the prophet Isaiah who would be responsible to tell the children of Israel who were sitting in captivity. They were bound by an oppressor. And Solomon tells them, and Solomon or, or prophet Isaiah tells them what God has shared with him. Say to those who are fearful hearted, God said, be strong and do not fear. Behold, your God will come with a vengeance, with a recompense of God. He will come and save you. He was telling this people who were bound, he was telling this people who were captive that even though it seems like the circumstance is beyond your control, go ahead and be strong in that moment. Don't be, don't be afraid. And when the children of Israel had come out of their captivity from Babylon... And they began to rebuild that temple. God told them through the prophet. He said, yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jezodic, the high priest, and be strong, all the people of the land, says the Lord, for work, for I am with you. Be strong, be strong, be strong. Oh, hallelujah. I I don't know about you, and this is not in my notes, but I've just felt it all week. I, I, I know we had an amazing revival. I know we had some incredible services around here the last two weekends. But I, I felt an opposition immediately hit on Monday. I felt an opposition to the work of the Lord on Monday that he just just had this, this pressure, this pressing up against of my spirit. And you know what? I feel today that the Lord's just saying, be strong. Be strong. Don't let the enemy bring discouragement in your life. Don't let the enemy have victory in your life. But be strong. Be strong. And it would seem 
that God would consistently tell his people to be strong. It would be the early church that God would use the Apostle Paul to encourage the church. When we look at Paul's writing to the Ephesian church, the church in Ephesus, a place that was very significant in their culture, Paul started this church in Ephesus and he ends up writing a letter to them. But when we understand the the revival that took place there in Ephesus. We understand it took place in a city that was bustling with over 250,000 people. In that time, a significant gathering of people like that was amazing. And they had a strong economy. The city of Ephesus was a strong economy. It had a significant Jewish population. As well, it was the epicenter of pagan worship to the goddess Diana. And the church was born in this environment, a strong city, a prominent city, a diverse city, but a pagan city. And the church had such a revival in that city that it says that it literally affected the manufacturing industry of the city. That the businesses who were creating shrines to the princess or to the goddess Diana, their sales started going down and they had a problem with the church. See, most people, most people don't have a problem with Christianity until it starts affecting culture. Then they have a problem with the church. But I tell you today, that should never stop the church should never be a a, a deterring tractor to being who God's called the church to be. But they began to see a decrease of sales of shrines and it created a literal uproar in the city. And there's ruins today of this 25,000 seat theater and there's another ruins of another 1,000, 2,000 seat theater. We're not sure which one, but at some point it caused such a roar that they gathered in the theater to talk about this new Christian faith that was creating a change in the culture. Not only did the the church impact the culture, but the church also saw people baptized in Jesus' name. You ever wonder if how they baptized in the book of Acts, they baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And In Ephesus, they began to baptize people in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the Bible says that they came to some disciples who didn't know about baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And Paul said, then how were you baptized? And they said, under John's baptism. But he said, then you need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only did that happen, but it says that they received the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues. So this church in Ephesus was an amazing experience for the church. And, And it was a diverse church. It had both Jews and Gentiles sitting in the same pews. Imagine that. And you can read about that in Acts chapter 18 through 20. And so Paul, some four or five years after he helped start this church, Priscilla and Aquila are involved in it. Apollos is involved in it. 
And Paul continues to travel, and this church is thriving. This church is, is doing amazing things. And Paul, all of a sudden, finds himself in jail. He's in jail, he's on trial, and he's locked up. But that doesn't stop Paul from writing. And so he continues to minister to the churches. And he writes this letter that we call the Book of Ephesians. He's in jail, and he's writing to this church that he helped start some four years prior. And he writes them this letter. And as he comes to the end of the letter, in the chapter number 6, he says this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. See, Paul had four years earlier as he was traveling and as he started that church, he, he traveled to a place called Corinth. And in Corinth, it was there that he had helped this church, a church that was in Literally, the, the den of debauchery and depravity and wickedness. They, it was a church that was in the middle of sin, but a church arose out of that. And it was to that church in Corinth that Paul would pen some words that were very important four years before he ever wrote to the Ephesians. He had prayed to God that an issue in his life would go away. But God said, I'm not going to allow it to just go away. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul said, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities and in reproaches and needs and persecution in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul understood what it was to be strong. And he said to be strong is not for you to walk around with a bunch of muscles and for you to walk around with a bunch of finances in your bank account. But to be strong is to literally need the reliance of the Holy Spirit to accomplish what you has or what God has intended you to accomplish. And so what God is calling on us today as the Calvary Church is to be strong, but not be strong in ourselves, not to be strong in our intellect, not to be strong in our speech or our gifts, but to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Oh, hallelujah. And so Paul sitting in that prison writes to that church in Ephesians at the city of Ephesus, and he says, be strong, be strong. You gotta be strong. I know you face opposition. I know you face persecution. I know there's false teachers that are trying to get in your ears, but I'm telling you, you can be strong. You can have power that comes through the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. And so Paul, in this last section, he says, finally, finally, it literally means uh, everything previous to this, I want you to do. But finally, I want you to do this. In other words, in light of all that God has done for you, 
in light of the glorious standing you have as a child of God because he addressed that in the book of Ephesians. In light of the plan for Christian maturity and growth that he gave them in the book of Ephesians. In light of the conduct that God calls every believer to live that he told them about earlier. In light of the filling of the Holy Spirit and our walk in the Spirit. In light of all of that, he said there is a battle to fight in this Christian life and it requires us to be strong. Let me tell you what Paul wasn't telling them. Paul was not telling them to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. He wasn't suggesting them to just suck it up and deal with it, be strong. No, he wasn't telling them to just have a stiff upper lip and and not let things bother them. No, he is not demanding that they stop crying and get on with the show. No, these are all expressions that maybe we have heard or even experienced in life. These are viewpoints that at times we have been given, advice we have been given to just deal with it, to, to be strong. No, Paul wasn't telling them to just be strong. He was telling them to be strong in the Lord. In the Lord. Paul adds an element of clarity. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And our strength is not to just rest in our human ability, but our strength is to come from God. Our strength to walk through cultural pressure. How do we have the strength to be strong? Through God. How do we have strength to deal with the rejection of our faith? Through God. How do we have the strength to handle the challenges of life, the tragedies of life, the unexpected moments of life? Let me tell you, be strong in the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. He says, in the power of his might. His might is endless. His strength is limitless. It is His power, it's his power that gives us the strength to be strong. So how is it that we are going to rely on God's strength? Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What stood out to me, I've learned about the armor of God in Sunday school. I don't don't know why it's not stood out to me this way. And it's not going to be a revelation for you. But let me just express a little aha moment for me. It's called the armor of God. Of God. It's the armor of God. It's God's armor. It's not my armor. It's the belt of truth. Truth comes from God. It's the breastplate of righteousness. It's not your righteousness. It's His righteousness. It's the shoes of peace. Peace comes from God. Peace that passes understanding. 
It's the shield of faith. Faith comes from God. The helmet of salvation. Salvation, you didn't create salvation. Salvation comes from God. It's the sword of the spirit. That spirit is God in us, activating our lives to do a work for him. You see, the armor we take on, it comes from God. Paul told him, be strong. Not just wear a belt and a breastplate and have a shield. No, your strength comes from the armor of God. It comes from truth. I embrace his truth. I embrace what he says. That brings strength to me. I embrace his righteousness. I don't deserve it, but I'll take it. It brings strength into my life. I'll take the faith. I'll take salvation. I'll take this that comes from him, this peace that passes understanding. Oh, hallelujah. It brings strength to me. So... We walk into our days and when the enemy opposes us, the adversary tries to trick us and lie to us. We take on the armor of God. I'm fascinated with an emerging industry in technology. It's known as the exoskeleton technology. Animals, there are certain animals that have exoskeleton uh, elements to it, but there's a technology called exoskeleton. It's a wearable technology that has potential benefits in the world of science and medicine and the military and industry. The exoskeleton is a powered or unpowered wearable machine that is, it uses different pneumatics and levers and hydraulics and different elements that allow for limb movement with increased strength, and endurance. Its design aims to provide support for your back and allows the user to have greater strength in its motor skills. The exoskeleton supports the shoulders and the waist and the thighs and assists in lifting and moving and holding items, heavy items that would normally hurt the back. Exoskeletons provide Assisted strength for different areas of life. Medically, it can help those who cannot walk. And it can provide a way for them to walk. It can help workers in industry that require certain muscle movements that cause them to get fatigued or injured. So you can see this worker in the auto industry. He's sitting down, but he's, using, he's not using a stool. It's an exoskeleton that's attached to him, can also provide those in the military with additional strength of extended experiences in the field, walking up mountains, carrying double or triple the weight that they would normally carry. And to me, these modern exoskeletons are what Paul was describing to the church that they would be wearing. They would be wearing not just armor that created a burden, but they would wear armor that literally created strength. And when you take on the armor of God, I want you to picture that. 
That you're putting on something that provides strength to you when you walk into the enemy's territory. When you're struggling and you're, you're facing a, a wobbly situation, God's strength, uh, God's armor stabilizes you. When the winds blow and the storms come, you've got something around you. You've got an exoskeleton. You've got something on the exterior. And it's the Spirit of God that's holding you up. And so I tell us today to be strong in the Lord, to be strong in the Lord. Don't let the enemy convince you you're going to blow over. Don't let the enemy convince you that the weight is too much, but realize you're under the hand of an almighty God and he's holding you and he's carrying you and he's walking with you. Be strong, be strong, be strong. Oh, hallelujah. You're not going to be strong in your own might. You're going to have to rely on God. You're going to have to surrender your heart to God. But when you do, there is a strength. There is the arms of a loving God who will hold you and lift you and walk you through any circumstance of life. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And so Isaiah, Isaiah wrote this. God said, listen to me, O house of Jacob, and to all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been upheld by me from birth, who have been carried from the womb. He said, even to your old age, I am he. And even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made you and I will bear you. Even I will carry and will deliver you. Oh, hallelujah. He's walking with you today. He's walking with you today. Oh, hallelujah. I feel compelled today to encourage some people in this room who are weary. You're tired of the journey. You're exhausted from life. You're stressed by the mess of things. Stop resting in your own strength. Stop trying to carry it all yourself. Stop trying to bear the weight alone. God wants to come alongside, and he wants you to wear his strength. Like that exoskeleton, he wants to, to, to be with you and hold you up in difficult times. And so God, God would remind the people of God in the land of, of captivity. He said, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And what does he do? He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. If you think you can carry it on your own, no matter what your age is, you're wrong. But he says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Be strong today. Be strong today. Be strong today. God's telling you to rest in him. Rest in him. Take your worries. Take your doubts. Take your fears. Carry it all. That's okay. You can carry it. But allow God to carry it with you. Allow him to walk with you every step of the journey. And so Paul said, finally, my brethren, 
Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Oh, hallelujah. Why don't you stand with me? God's in this place today telling somebody that you can be strong in the midst of what you're walking through. You can be strong in the struggle that you're walking through. God has not left you to walk by yourself. But if you will surrender yourself to the armor of God, he wants to bring peace in your life. He wants to give you faith that moves mountains. He wants to give you salvation that you didn't earn. Allow you to be righteous in spite of your decisions. Wants to give you the sword of the spirit, which he says is the word of God. So that you will not just be present in a battle, but you'll actually be effective in the battle. Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and Paul says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. God gives us His Spirit so that we can wage war in the heavenlies. What I felt for our church, we, we entered into a realm these last number of weeks. We'd enter, entered into a place. It wasn't that the devil got any stronger. The devil didn't get any stronger. Just some of you walked into, onto the battlefield. You hadn't been on the battlefield in a while. Uh, not, not demeaning. Sometimes we just kind of Blank out. We just kind of stepped back and that revival pushed us into some moments to some principalities and powers that put us in this arena. Like a soldier, we can either run out of the arena and say, nah, I don't want to deal with that. Or we can, pardon my modern analogy, we can put on the exoskeleton of God's power and we can wage war in the heavenlies. We can help people find freedom in their life. So today, the word the Lord is telling you, be strong. You're all right. You're all right. Be strong. You're facing a situation on your job. Be strong. Be strong in the Lord. The power of his might. I want to pray for you before I invite you to the altar. And I'm going to invite everybody to come in just a moment. Lord, God, in this moment, you know those who maybe even this week, they resonated with what I said. God, that they, woke, they felt adversaries this week. They felt opposition. 
even in their spirit. It might not have even been a conversation with somebody. It might not have been a scenario, but something was opposing them this week. God and I am praying that you would give us the courage today not to backpedal from the promises of God. That just as you told Joshua that he would inherit the promised land, you've told us that. But over and over you told him, be strong and be courageous. Be strong and be courageous. Be strong and be courageous. God, I'm praying for courage in this room today. For somebody to submit their life to you. That they would somehow allow themselves to be surrendered to your power in their life. They would surrender their way. God, when the enemy in our culture tells us that Christianity is a crutch, Lord, in some ways it's the truth that we are simply allowing ourselves to rely on you. We're going to allow you to lead us. We're going to allow you to guide us. We're going to allow you to help us in every conversation. God, I'm praying today that somebody would have courage and they would find strength in this room by the power of your might. I want to pray for any individuals today. I'm going to pray with as many people as I can. I want to pray that God's power would strengthen you in a very real way. I don't know what you're going through, you're walking through, but I want to pray for you. I, uh, thankful for Chris Mallet and Cindy. Chris lost his father yesterday. And this morning he texted me and he said, I, I want to be in church. Or this, it was this morning. He said, I want to be in church this morning. And I told him I want to pray with him. Doesn't take the pain away. The Lord's going to give him strength. The Lord's going to help him. And so I want to pray specifically for Chris today. We have several who are in the hospital. Gary Abson is dealing with a circumstance where he got burned, and they're going to do surgery tomorrow. Not quite sure what the outcome is going to be. I'm praying for strength, that he would be strong and courageous. And I don't know if you have something in your life where you're like, you know what, I'm going to lay myself at the feet of Jesus Christ, and I need his strength to carry me. I need his strength to hold me in this moment. I'm going to invite you to come. Would you come? Would you come this morning? Would you come this morning? And if you have not experienced the wonder of salvation, you have not repented of your sins, you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, today's a great day for you to make that decision. We had several filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit over these last few weeks. Today, if you're hungry, for the touch of the Lord, you can receive his spirit today. God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that our hope can rest in you. When our circumstances are different than what we had planned and our circumstances are different than what we really had hoped they were, yet, like Paul, we don't have to give up, but your grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. In our weakness, Lord, you are made strong. Be strong in this room today, Lord. Be strong in this room today, Lord. That's it. I wonder if you'd lift your hands as a sign of surrender. Lord, I need you in this place. I need you in my life. I need you in my life today. God, I surrender all of me to all of you. 
This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.